Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Rick Smith, and I am um, the director of digital ministries here at Watermark Church. And um, John and Ryan and Susan and folks here at Watermark thought because of sort of what I do on staff and sort of where we are in our culture and in our world today that I could come and share with you a little bit about this phenomenon called technology and how technology impacts marriages. And so just part of my role on staff, you might be wondering what in the world is a director of digital ministry and what do they do and why does Watermark Church need one? And so before I tell you a little bit about that, I want to introduce you to my family. I have a picture here. This is my wife, Abby. We've been married coming up on nine years. Uh, we dated for seven years before that. That's a whole nother story for another re-engage uh, uh, talk that I'll tell you about. Um, that's my two children, my two-year-old Jackson, J-A-X-T-E-N. We made that name up. And then Noah, who's uh, five, five years old. And so I've always sort of been a tech junkie. I've always sort of enjoyed playing with technology, using technology. And about a little over five years ago, I guess it was, we uh, had our first child. And so shortly after, about two hours after having our first son, Noah, we were incredibly surprised to learn that he was born with Down syndrome. And so we really knew nothing about Down syndrome. I remember being in the room, my wife is a pediatrician. I asked her, I was like, hey, what does this mean? Uh, does that mean that Noah is going to be like Christopher Reeves? And she's like, Christopher Reeves fell off a horse, Rick. And so I was like, <laughs> all right. And so I just began to go to Google. That's kind of what you do. And, and started looking for, hey, what is my life going to be like as a dad of a little boy with special needs and just tried to find videos. I wanted to kind of find out what our life was going to be like and sort of had a hard time finding videos. I really just wanted a window into what someone else's family was going to be like to sort of give me some hope and encouragement and had a tough time finding that. And sort of as, as time started ticking along, I just said, hey, why don't we, we sort of learn this crazy statistic uh, that depending on what study you read, up to 92% uh, of children prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. So let that sink in. So that means every time you see one Noah, there's potentially nine more Noahs you don't see as a resort of abortion. And so you start thinking about, man, how in the world could we uh, help make a difference in that, uh, in that statistic? How could we help that? And so what we did was this really crazy thing. We just took our phones and started taking our phone out and every day started recording a little 60 second video of Noah's life. And we started putting it on a website called noahsdad.com. And the idea was, hey, we'll just start sharing our story to the world. And hopefully someone out there on the internet will stumble upon the story. And, and maybe we could be a source of encouragement and hope and possibly they would bring their, their child uh, to full term. And so God really has a really funny sense of humor. I was at Dallas Seminary. I was finishing seminary. And, and the Lord really just sort of blew our website up. I mean, that, that's really what he did. It just sort of took off. Literally thousands of people around the globe come to our site. We get emails from people around the world of how our site has given them hope and encouragement. And so as I was finishing seminary and looking for a job, um, thankfully I had known Todd from just years ago. And um, he said, hey, what would it look like to come onto a church staff and begin to use technology, not in a way uh, to spam people with a verse of the day, but help use that as a tool to equip people and, and use it as a ministry. And so, I, so I, then I came on staff and I've been here, this will be my fourth year at Watermark, uh, to help use technology in a way to do good. And so, but, but here's the crazy thing. It hasn't always been good in my life. And, and almost, I, I, I told my friends in the marriage ministry, I almost sort of feel a little bit hypocritical. I'll be honest with you, talking with you tonight, because a lot of the things I'm gonna talk to you about are things that I'm currently trying to, to get better at. So this is not me talking at you. This is me really just talking with you tonight as friends. So I hope that's okay. Um, and, and over the course of my, I guess, life using technology, I've ran into some pitfalls, some pitfalls that can affect me in my single life, but pitfalls that, that really can affect me and be detrimental to my family. 
in my marriage. And so I want to share with you tonight really just four principles, four principles when it comes to using technology in your marriage, four principles to help you create oneness in your marriage. And I'm going to put all this on a blog post. So I'm going to give you a lot of information tonight. Don't feel like you have to write everything down. We're going to put this up there. So four principles uh, to help you have oneness in your marriage. And so some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, actually all the things that we're going to talk about tonight are really gray areas. These are really gray areas. There's not going to be any Bible verses, clear cut Bible verses about the things we're going to talk about tonight. But I think what I'm going to do is give you some things that when I was married, I said nine, almost nine years ago, no one ever sat me down and shared these principles with me, these wisdom principles with me. And so I'm really just going to give you these principles that you can take with you. And so before we get started tonight, I I, I do got to touch on one thing that really is a a black and white. And, And it deals with the issue of uh, pornography. And so we've talked about pornography on this stage. We talk about pornography at this church and, and that's a black and white issue. And so for you, if you're here tonight and that's part of your story, we're not scared that pornography is not a curse word around here. Um, you know, we have a lot of resources. So I got a link I'm gonna put up there. It's, it's uh, marriagehelp.org slash porn. And at that website, you're gonna find lots of resources that we can, that, that will help you, encourage you. And we're not scared of that. We wanna help you. I will tell you if, if that's part of your story, if that's something you're, you're struggling with, thinking about either individually, trying to introduce pornography in your marriage, that, that's completely out of bounds. That, that'll destroy your marriage. And so um, the good news is there's a way out. God is in the business of restoring that kind of stuff around here. We're not scared to talk about it. So if that's part of it, we're not going to cover that today. Lots of stuff on there covers it. Check that out. But before we get started, I want you guys to help me. You're going to help me. You're going to kind of be my visual illustration as we get going today. So if you have a smartphone, I want you to pull it out real quick. Go ahead and pull your phone out. Let me make sure you got it. Make sure it's fully charged, powered on, all that good stuff. Go ahead and unlock it. So unlock your phone if you got a code in there or a fingerprint or whatever you got, unlock it. And what I want to do as we get started today, I want you to unlock your phone. I want you to trade it with your spouse. And for the next two minutes, you get a chance, an opportunity to look at every text, picture, and email. Everything is a free-for-all. I'm going to step off. I'm going to give you guys two minutes to do that. Just kidding. Everybody's Fitbit blew up. It's like, man, my heart rate monitor doesn't even go that high. It's okay. It's all good. Like, who is this guy? Never let them back. We don't do surveys in here. Um, so here's what I wanted to do with that as we get started. The very first principle is this, to understand that, that passwords, and pro- passwords are meant to protect your personal information, not hide your secret life. Passwords are meant to protect your personal information, not hide your secret life. Listen, Peter and Paul and Mary didn't walk around with iPhones in their pocket, right? So there's no verse in the Bible that says you got to give your spouse your passwords and all that kind of stuff. But I will make a case from Genesis 2, 24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And so the goal really is oneness. And so the question comes up as we talk about technology is, hey, should my spouse know the passwords to my email, my phone, my Facebook account? Should my spouse know those passwords? And let me tell you very clearly, yes, yes. And if not, if you're here and you're pushing back, man, who is this dude? Why? There's no verse. You can't tell me to do that. Here's the question for you. Why wouldn't you? Why, why would you care? You see, your password, my password to my phone is 4523. You can come test it. You can punch it in. That's my password. You're going to think I'm a weirdo if you come look at it. Come on. But listen, the, the, this is to protect your phone if it gets stolen. Someone doesn't look at your bank account information. Um, and so if you, if you have a pause there, that's what you got to understand is that secrets don't create oneness. They create isolation. 
Secrets don't create oneness. Secrets never do any good in your marriage. And I don't tell you that. I don't start off like that just to put a bunch of guilt and shame on you tonight. I just don't want you to live like that. You know, I said we dated for seven years of our marriage and the, a big chunk of that seven years, I, I lived like that. I, I had secret lifestyles. I wasn't walking with the Lord. And I had, I had, I lived like that. I was so scared that, man, what is my girlfriend at that time sees what's going on on my phone. And it's just not a joyful place to live. And so I don't tell you that tonight to, um, like I said, heap shame and guilt on you. I don't tell you that so that your spouse can be the technology police when you walk out of here tonight and look through all your stuff. I, I just tell you that because number one, that, that's just, there's no joy there. And so your passwords to protect your personal information. Um, this leads to just kind of a secondary question. And the question is this, what about talking to people of the opposite sex? Is it okay to have friends of the opposite sex? Is it okay to not just have friends, but to text them, to email them, to Facebook message them? Is that okay? I'm gonna give you this answer. Yes, with a very big asterisk beside it. Um, we were talking about this earlier. So earlier this week, my friend that I work with here at Watermark, her name's Kylie. She sent me a text message. Hey, does your wife, my wife again is a pediatrician, does she have any rec- recommendations to a cardiologist? What I didn't do was this. Uh, CC, my wife, Abby, text Kylie. Hey, do not text me. I'm a dude, you're a girl. That's weird. I did not do that. I said, sure, here's her phone number. Um, and so, you know what? There's no black and white here, but here's what I will say. Here's just sort of a good check in your spirit is, hey, th- th- those conversations should be transactional not emotional. You know, I'm not texting my friends that are girls and going, hey, how's your day? I'm not texting the friends, the wives in my community group and saying, hey, how's everything going with you and your husband today? Can I pray for you? That's weird. That doesn't, that doesn't help anything. And so, um, and, and most of the time, you know, you know what I mean? If there's anything that you're sharing with another person of the opposite spouse that you wouldn't feel comfortable that your wife heard or saw or knew about, you know, that's not right. And so uh, principle number one, um, and again, I've grown in the areas of wisdom of this. You know, I got married and I had friends that were females and then I got married. No one ever set me down and said, hey, Rick, you probably, and, and again, iPhones were just kind of coming out then. No one really set me down and told me this. And now I, I probably erred to the side of just being weird on that, but that's okay because I want to protect my marriage from anything like that. And so uh, passwords are to protect your personal information, not hide your secret life. Um, number two is um, don't drown in the sea of information. You know, we, we hold in our hands more information than any person that has ever lived in the history of the planet. Right there in your pocket. Uh, I had this article here in 1994, there were fewer than 3,000 websites online. So this is 1994, so a little over 10 years ago. By 2014, that's, that's the data that we have, there was more than 1 billion. That represents a 33 million percent increase in 20 years. So that, that's really crazy. Google serves more than 3.5 billion searches per day. That's 40,000 searches every second. And so what that tells you is that people are looking at information. People have access to information all the time. And so uh, this is an issue for me because I'm a worrier and and I'm prone to anxiety. And so um, I remember um, one point wanting to go to New York and I'm scared of flying. That's a whole nother, that's a regen issue, but I'm scared of flying. And I stayed up literally till the late hours of the night, looking at turbulence maps, all of a sudden I'm an expert. Like I can read a turbulence map. I'm reading turbulence maps, looking at weather information and eventually canceled my flight. Canceled my flight. I got into, I got, I was looking at um, airline forums. Do you know how weird that is? Like, I don't know what they're talking about, but all of a sudden I'm an aviation expert and I knew that would be a dangerous day to fly. And so we don't go to New York. That's weird. Um, Philippians 4.8 just says, man, to concentrate on what's pure and what's good and what's right. And so you got to ask yourself, when you're looking at things on the internet, 
does that cause your, your mind and your thoughts to go to things that are good and pure and right and, and joy? Or does it cause you worry and fear? You know, also curiosity, the what ifs. I think that's also a dangerous thing. Hey, just kind of wondering, I uh, wonder what my ex-girlfriend's up to these days. I wonder what my ex-husband's, my ex, not ex-husband, what are my ex-boyfriend's up to these days? Um, that, that, there's nothing really helpful there. I would say that's probably not a, that's not a sin issue. I'd probably say it's just not a very wise thing to do. So again, you have a lot of information in your palm of your hand. And I would ask that, that with great responsibility comes, great power comes great responsibility. Um, number three, don't compare your life to someone else's highlight reel. This is another one. It's very easy to compare your life to someone else's. Um, here's a little picture of a guy. You probably know him, Michael Jordan. When you think about Michael Jordan, uh, you think about those playoff rings. And this guy is an NBA all-star. Uh, Michael Jordan has a quote. He says, hey, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've never seen a DVD in the store of his highlight reel that was his 9,000 shots that he lost. All you see is, man, like Mike, like Mike. I want to be like Mike because he's awesome. Because, he, because he's awesome. But you got to understand that's his highlight reel. And so when you're on social media, it's someone's highlight reels. We can do this in a number of ways, right? We can do it with Trillo. You got an awesome home. All of a sudden you're looking at Trillo and you're like, man, my home is horrible. Look how awesome. They got stainless steel appliances and an open floor plan. I don't. And all of a sudden you're like, I live in a tent. That's bad. Uh, Pinterest, right? Pinterest is another one of these. You start looking at this. I got some Pinterest fails right there. Nice try. Go to the next one. That dinosaur cake. Go to the next one. This is my favorite one here. The Sour Patch cake. He tried. Some of you do also. But listen, it's easy to look at Pinterest and look at that stuff and go, man, like every, every wife in the world is just an amazing. She's like Martha Stewart. She's amazing. That, you know how many pictures they took to get that one good one? Five zillion. Okay. Remember that. So when you're looking on the internet, don't let that get you down. Um, but we also do this also, don't we, with families, marriages. You know, we look at other people's marriages and we're like, man, that guy's wife, that, 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 that husband always makes his wife breakfast in bed like every single day. They're in the Bahamas every weekend. How do you even go there every weekend? Um, you know, I, I'm on Twitter a lot. I, I do that for my job and also just for life. And so I, I, if you look at my Twitter account, here's what you would think. That guy has the most awesome marriage, the most awesome community group. His kids are always well-behaved. So I have three tweets that you'll never see on my Twitter timeline. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to share them with you and then I'm going to self-destruct them, okay? So this one was a complete jerk to my wife this morning. Didn't help her get the kids ready for church, but ready to go get my worship on. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Hoping my kids will spend at least two more hours on their iPad so I can lay on the couch in peace. Hashtag dad life. <laughs> Didn't help with dinner, dishes, or diapers tonight, but hoping my wife will be in the mood for sex anyway. Getting lucky. Hashtag husband of the year for real. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never see that. Those will never be there. But the truth is, all those are true. All those are true. Proverbs 14.30 says, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And here's what we need to do. Let me give you just one quick thing. We need to celebrate, not compare. So every time you're tempted to, to, to compare your life, your marriage, your cake baking skills to someone else, what you need to do is just stop and you need to pray and say, Lord, hey, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for my marriage, my kids, the instant cake mix, the fact they all taste the same. 
But you need to, to, to just um, praise God for what you have. And then this is the final one. This is a big one. This is probably my personal one the most. Don't allow technology to steal your most valuable resource, your time. Uh, this is one of my biggest issues. You know, I make the mistake that just because I'm somewhere, I'm present. That's, that's a bad mistake to make. I remember being at Disneyland not too long ago and being at Disneyland on my phone looking at work emails. I'm at Disneyland with my kids. My boss is emailing me. My boss's boss's boss is emailing me saying, hey, get off your phone. Don't, do, don't get off. And I'm, and I'm at Disneyland. You know, we do this all the time, right? We, we just surf the web. We get on ESPN. We get on Facebook and just hours go away. And we just let that suck the time. And I'm not saying you can't surf the web or play games, but if you spend more time crushing candy than you do talking with your spouse, that's probably not a good thing. Psalm 90, 12 says, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know, life's a vapor in 10 years, 20 years from now, we're never going to wish we spent a little more time on ESPN.com, but we will wish we would have talked to our wife a little bit more. We, we will wish we would have got on the floor and played with our kids a little bit more. And we just got to remember that. So here's a few quick principles. And again, I'm learning this. I'm asking my community group, help me with this. This is a struggle for me. Number one, put your phone away on dates and vacation. This is a hard one, right? Because if you go on a date with your spouse and you don't post it on Facebook, did the date really happen? I'm, I don't know. It's like a paradox. But, but you got to put your phone away you just got to, you got to turn it off. For me, I have to power mine off or ask someone to hold it or leave it in the hotel room. But put that away. Um, boundaries, so at 8.30 at night, I'm going to break it probably tonight. But um, at 8.30 p.m., I want to put my phone away and I want to go backwards with that, right? 8.15, 8. And I need my community group to help me. I need people to say, hey, Rick, how are you doing in that? Constantly, because I'm going it, to, it's, it's a struggle. But what are you doing to shut off? I have another friend that does a technology box. And so for him, when you walk into his house, they have a box. So when you go there after work, all the gadgets go into that box, laptops, phones, everything. And everyone in the house can hold each other accountable. So the kids can say, hey, dad, your laptop's not there. And they leave everything in there until after dinner. And I think that's a pretty cool idea. I don't do it. I think that's a great idea, the technology box. And again, James 14, 414, life is a vapor. Life's going fast. And we're going to, we want to be in the moment. We don't want to mistake being somewhere with being present. And and really, so those are just four quick principles. But the idea behind all this is that we want to let, we want to use technology and not let technology use, use us. We want to use technology and not let technology use us. Um, If you are not a Christian, I realize some of these principles probably just sound crazy to you. Even thinking about some of these things just sound crazy to you. And what you need to know is this, is once you come into a relationship with Christ, I think everything changes. The way you want to spend your time, thinking about, hey, what do I need to protect? What kind of information do I not want to let anybody see? Um, How do I want to spend my time? And Christ changes all of that. And so I don't know what you struggle with tonight. I don't know how you do in these areas, but I will tell you this. First John uh, 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and not just forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I want to leave you with these three quick questions as you go um, into your small groups. Is one, what is there to confess? Do you have anything to confess? When I asked you, hey, pull your phones out and swap it, did something well up in you uh, that maybe isn't right? Man, what do you need to confess? What do you have to share with your spouse that you go, man, hey, this is where I am right now in this area and it's not funny. I, I want to talk with you about it. And, and then two, here's the other question for the other spouses. If your spouse was to confess something to you tonight, would it be safe for them to do so? You know, if they confess something to you, would you threaten them with divorce or would you love them like Christ? And here, give me, don't listen to me. That's a hard thing to do. 
because everything in us wants to yell, scream, be mad, be angry. And it's a supernatural thing to want to forgive someone like Christ forgives them. So understand feelings, what you feel is normal. And it's supernatural to go, hey, I want to forgive you. I want to extend you grace. And so then the third thing is this, is um, ask ask your spouse, hey, can you give me feedback in this area? Ask your spouse, how am I doing in this area? And if you're anything like me, you don't want to ask that question because you already know. It's like, hey, let me tell you how bad I'm doing in some of these areas. But we've got to know. So do you have anything to confess? If you're the spouse, how would you respond if your spouse confessed something? And three, ask your spouse, how am I doing in this, in this area. And hey, the goal is this. The goal is not to be the technology police. The goal is not to give you a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. The goal really in all this, everything we talk about here, especially technology, is to create oneness in your marriage. And no technology policy, no list, none of those things are going to change a person's heart. The only thing that does that is the Holy Spirit. And so, man, you guys are in a room full of people who love you. It's a safe place. And, and I hope these principles are just some things that you can walk out of here. If nothing else, give you conversation starters to help you build some oneness in your marriage. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the tools that you've given us. Thank you for really the ability to reach into our pockets and pull out a device and access information all across the world. And so, we, man, we, we don't want it to hurt our marriage. We don't want it to destroy our marriage. We want, it to, we want to help build oneness. And so would you continue to give us wisdom as we look for ways to do that? I pray for couples in this room tonight. And I just pray um, that you would help them continue to find ways to create oneness in their marriage. In Christ's name, amen.